what seventh graders are taught and whether or not they're taught that certain guys were good guys in Texas history, that doesn't come up in World War II. We don't teach that the Apollo astronauts were heroic. We don't teach that George Washington was heroic. There's only one place in the entire state curriculum that school children are required to be taught that some people were the good guys, and those are the people who lost at the Battle of the Alamo. Welcome to Over the Ledge Live, the podcast, the number one and some say only political satire show based solely on the Texas legislature. I'm Amy Lowry and I'm glad you're here. Over the Ledge gives you a behind the scenes look at the shenanigans of the Texas legislature by decoding political headlines and legislators' behavior into easy to understand single ant jokes. We're just as funny, but not as famous yet. First, we need to give a super huge thanks to everyone who supported us during Amplify Austin last week. We raised almost $3,000 from more than 20 donors, which will pay for our theater rental for our next show. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Let's meet our guest tonight. First up, we have our beloved Aaron Salinas. Aaron is an award-winning writer, director, and actor with a love for brisket, breakfast tacos, and learning to live with lactose intolerance. A native Texan, you can find Aaron listening to Selena or in the aisles of an HEB when we're not in stage five or experiencing a winter storm. He's vaxxed and boosted and thinks you should be too. Welcome, Aaron Salinas. Howdy, everybody. Fair warning. I had a couple of coconut macaroons before this, and uh, I'm still kind of chewing on some coconut bits. So forgive my audio, just looping y'all in. But- <laughs> They'd stay in there for a solid two I was going to say you sounded like coconut. Yeah, it's, I, it's just just a little bit, right? But not, not too much. Unmistakable. It, yeah, just, just giving that heads up. Next, we have a wonderful comedic guest for you tonight, Joe Green. He has been in Over the Ledge Part 4. And he has an Instagram account. <laughs> Covering all the bases. Welcome, Joe. Yeah, Stephanie wrote this. <laughs> Joe was like, what does my bio need to be? I was like, here we go. I, I do have an Instagram account. Yeah. All right. Great. Do you want to add anything to your bio? <laughs> no, I, I think I think we're good there. I, I didn't have any coconut today. Totally adequate. Totally adequate, man. <laughs> Our very special celebrity guest for tonight is Jason Stanford. Jason is a writer whose bylines have appeared in Texas Monthly, the Texas Tribune, Texas Highways, the Texas Observer, as well as many publications that have nothing whatsoever to do with Texas. Jason also publishes a Substack newsletter called The Experiment, and you might have heard of the little book he co-authored called Forget the Alamo. The former communications director for Austin Mayor Steve Adler in 2018 was named by Austin Monthly as Best Man Behind the Curtain. A former political consultant, Sanford often contributed to the Austin American Statesman, Politico Magazine, Talking Points Memo, and MSNBC. From 2011 to 2015, He was a nationally syndicated columnist. During this time, he co-wrote with James Moore, Adios Mofo, Why Rick Perry Will Make America Miss George W. Bush. (laughs) (laughs) He majored in Russian at Lewis and Clark College, which led to, in 1992, editing the Moscow Gordian, an English language expatriate tabloid, and working as a researcher for the Los Angeles Times Bureau. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. Great to be here. I gotta say, I like to watch our guests sometimes and just see how surprised at how like successful and some of the things you've accomplished. You're like, oh, 
I forgot I did that. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I did that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you're referring to my reaction to Adios Mofo, that was not because of its success. <laughs> now, wait, Jason, do you have an Instagram account? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't want to brag. <laughs> Let's get to the nitty gritty, man. Yeah. I have to say, though, I'm yeah. a fan. I, I read Forget the Alamo last year. I think that was my favorite book last year. I've always oh. liked you, Joe. I always thought you were smart. <laughs> I'm a true Texan, so I'll never well, forget it. So, <laughs> Finally, we have the creator and the ruler of the Over the Ledge Empire who needs no introduction. <laughs> Stephanie <laughs> Sherwood Forrest Fair Chiarello. Thank you. Yay, I'm excited to be here. We're going to have a great show. I can already tell. It's going to be great. Just a oh reminder. God! And then we lose Joe. We lose <laughs> Joe. Oh, I hope that was on purpose. Because that was so good. <laughs> Just a reminder to save the date. We'll be back live in person September sixteenth through eighteenth, two thousand twenty-two, at the Long Center. Oh no, we really did lose. And because of our generous sponsors, we can actually pay for the theater. So thanks again <laughs> to the magnificent twenty-two. Now it's time for What's Up in Texas with our host, Stephanie Chiarello. Yeah, last year, well, last year we didn't do the show, but two years ago, it was really awkward. I kept telling them I'd give them the check and then we just kind of bounced. So it's going to be nice to actually be able to pay for the theater. Joe, you okay? <laughs> You're back? Yeah, I'm good. It just said something went wrong and uh, then I joined the studio again. Okay. That's just Your theater in a nutshell. That's something right. went wrong, but we still need you. Still... Your humor was adequate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about what's been happening in Texas. Governor Greg Abbott, I'm going to move this over here so it looks like I have this memorized. Governor Greg Abbott has wasted $2 billion on border security stunts so far, including sending National Guards to protect private ranches that aren't even near the border. To be fair, though, he's just trying to protect the source of his favorite salad dressing. Ranch. Oh! ranch dressing wow. uh, i just that's the most american thing i can see is just rivers of of ranch dressing flowing <laughs> over beef dwelling property and the national guardsmen are like yeah. <laughs> guarding it it's not thick enough down here yeah. boys get the protect the hidden valley at all costs <laughs> <laughs> all right teaching demands during the pandemic have exasperated the nation's teacher shortage Abbott wants a task force to investigate. His proposed solution is letting teachers burn all the school books as a form of stress relief. There's no self-care like a bonfire. Just ask an Aggie. Oh. oh. Too soon. Uh, too soon. Oh, I'm like 20 years. A court filing argues that Texas continues to imprison migrants without filing charges or appointing lawyers in violation of state laws. When asked to comment, Governor, and what a chicken McNugget would look like in human form, Greg Abbott replied, you say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> they love to be imprisoned. Nothing puts more faith in Texas's child protective services than learning that an employee at a foster care facility for formerly sex trafficked children is dating a child trafficker. That's right. Nothing puts more faith in literally nothing. Nothing is better than this. 
Is that a real thing? Because I haven't heard that one. Yep. Yes. Oh my God. Yep. Texas officials continue. There's no good news. I just want you to know I tried and tried and tried. <laughs> and that's going to be a side project. I just need people to submit. Like today, a puppy was saved. That's Deshaun Watson things. got traded out of Texas. That's oh. always great to see. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting a puppy. So really? Yeah. Her name's going to be Mango Chamoy Salinas. Oh. I already love her. Uh, do you have? Or Honey Bun. I haven't decided. <gasps> honey Bun. Honey Bun's cute, right? Do you have pictures? Uh, yeah, she's Whittle. Um, she's a little girl. Um, she's got a little dot on her head. I'll send you pictures. She's adorable. I'm turning into a a, a disgusting, loving par- dog parent. I love it. Speaking of loving, Texas officials continue to bully transgender kids for political points with real consequences. Texas Children's Hospital said it will no longer provide hormone therapy for fear of criminal penalty, and a family who invited Attorney General Ken Paxton to dinner to meet their child later found themselves under investigation. It's like the Texas GOP is playing a video game and thinks everyone else is an NPC. In other words, the plot is the latest Ryan Reynolds movie, but as directed by Clint Eastwood. Now, for those of you who don't play video games, like me, an NPC is a non-player character. Oh. Okay. You know, like the clerk at the bank or the bakery person. Yeah. So I've often found the best jokes are the ones you had to explain. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. I'm going to say, who's inviting Ken Paxton to dinner? Yeah. I know. Who would do that? Primary runoffs slated for May 24th will include GOP and Democratic candidates for Attorney General Rochelle Garza and Joe Jaworski in the Democratic primary and George P. Bush challenging incumbent and a man who definitely has porn on his phone, Ken Paxton, (laughs) in the Republican primary. That's three people challenging Ken Paxton, who any of them would be better than Ken. Although that bar is so low that a cockroach couldn't crawl under it. And even the roach says he's not voting for Paxton. And he's a cock. <laughs> Honestly, that is such a good insult that I'm, I'm mad at myself. I've never said it. Oh, he looks like he has porn on his phone. For sure. That's, that's really he? good. Oh, yeah. Okay, staying positive. Texas's six-week abortion ban is full steam ahead after the U.S. and Texas Supreme Courts rejected one of the few remaining appeal paths for reproductive rights advocates, saying since private citizens are the ones who sue abortion providers, this presents no conflict for state officials. If you ask me, the only appealing path left is to reenact the plot of La Sistrada? The famous Greek comedy where women stopped having sex until war ended. Heck, we could help Ukraine too. I call this strategy two balls, one stone. (laughs) (laughs) I got a few more. A new law prohibits the state from contracting with or investing in companies that divest from oil, natural gas, and coal companies, which is a lot like McDonald's firing an employee for eating fruits and vegetables. Or Marlboro for I can't Marlboro. 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 Marlboro for firing camel. an employee. Camel. <laughs> Thank you. Or camel for firing an employee who doesn't smoke. Or 
that Texas is CPS firing an employee who refuses to date a child trafficker. Nice. Burn. Do you see how I brought that back? Because it's really bad. Yeah. All right. Okay, two more. You can do it, Steph. <laughs> Text dot to receive $22.8 million in federal funds to improve rural transit. I didn't know we had rural transit. I guess now people in Bandera will finally get a move on things. <laughs> no more horsing around. But watch out for Farmer Ted. I hear he's a real road hog. Extremely Here. adequate. <laughs> I think we're all going to need a cigarette after these. This is <laughs> Definitely don't get a maroon. <laughs> okay, and finally, in just 16 of the state's largest counties, more than 18,000 mail-in ballots were rejected, most for failing to meet the new law's ID requirements. A full statewide tally from the primaries isn't yet available as election officials are still fighting who will, over who will sing the lead in their musical press release. 5,500 mail ballots missing. 525,000 bullets in my gun. All right, that's it. We're done. Thank you. <laughs> Woo! All right. I have a feeling that's going to be in the live show, that song. <laughs> 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 we moved on from cats. <laughs> no, we will be in a cat suit. Yeah. <laughs> no explanation. Okay, audience, let me tell you how this podcast works. On tonight's episode, Aaron and Joe are competing against each other for the coveted Most Knowledgeable Comedian in Austin Award. Comedians, please be aware that you can each phone a friend three times if you're stuck on a question. And by friend, we mean the man behind the curtain, Jason. This award is given to the comedian who knows the most about Texas politics, according to the outcome of the games on our show. Stephanie, please show the award. Wow. Whoever wins. trophy? <laughs> it's Bro. the most knowledgeable comedian in Austin <laughs> Award, Joe. Hey, that means a lot of, that means a lot if you're in the right league, okay? You show some respect. <laughs> Whoever wins gets their picture taken with our special guest, Jason Stanford, and he will post the picture on his social media, announcing that the winning comedian is the most knowledgeable comedian often. Stephanie, did we ask Jason if he's okay with this? Uh, obviously not. <laughs> he does have an Instagram. That earlier. Yeah. Our special guest, oh wait, is this one? Yes, our special guest, Jason Stanford, is a co-author of the New York Times bestselling novel, Forget the Alamo. <laughs> Forget the Alamo, I never knew it. <laughs> if you went to school in Texas and it doesn't matter what in, it doesn't matter what anybody says, John Wayne won the Battle of the Alamo. Let's play our first game. Forget the Alamo. I never knew it. As could, always, could I just jump in for just a second to correct it? Um, um, despite what Dan Patrick says, it's not a novel. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> I thought he was laughing about the New York best-selling part. And I was like, no, I'm sure. I read that. <laughs> It's romantic fiction. Okay. Oh. <laughs> um, all right. And then let's see. Jason, please feel free to jump in at any time. But remember, this is Texas, and we didn't get this way by being helpful to others. <laughs> let's play. All right. Joe, you get to go first as our guest. 
And these are multiple choice questions. And like Amy said, you can ask Jason three times total between the two games for help. Are you ready? Let's do this. Okay. What year was the Battle of the Alamo? Oh. 1912, 1836, 1836. Yes, correct. And I thought it happened in like two hours. I did not know that. You're smiling, Aaron. What happened? Um, <clears throat> not to brag, but my <laughs> uh, excellent Texas public education taught me the Alamo via rap. So not to scare you, Joe, but uh, for 13 days in San Antonio, a small group of Texans held the Alamo. Crockett. Travis. <laughs> Bowie. So, what's good, man? I think someone's going to nail this quiz. Yeah. I'm going to tell you how I uh, learned the rivers. Very similar. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, Aaron, whose armed forces won the Battle of the Alamo? Mexico, the Republic of Texas, Texaco, of <laughs> the United States of America, or the USSR? Oh man, just the idea of the United Army of Texaco, just a bunch of like, yeah. <laughs> just, that's just washing windshields. Is that just Chevron? <laughs> just, Chevron. Just wiping windshields and asking how much, how much to fill up. Um, it was Los Mexicanos. Um, the Battle of the Alamo was a disastrous loss in the layman's terms, but we're never going to forget it. True. Because for 13 days in San Antonio. Yeah, Jim Henson, one of your previous guests, he did a poll. And most Hispanics in Texas think Texas won the Battle of the Alamo. They did not see yeah, the IMAX movie. No. That's probably why. They don't see, yeah, they, they, they skip the IMAX. And then apparently former Railroad Commissioner candidate James White, state rep or oh, act yeah. commissioner, he went on and on about how we won the Alamo, we're going to win. Um, and actually, I posted on our Facebook a link to your article in the experiment, Jason. About oh, thank you. These results. You got it. Okay. <sighs> Joe, before it was a fortress, the Alamo was A, one of several seasonal homesteads of the Cohiliticans, the largest Indian group living between the Rio Grande River and the headwaters of San Antonio in the 1600s. B, a private ranch owned by Martin Perfecto de Cos, great-grandfather of Richard King of King Ranch fame. Hey, that's where I'm from. That's why. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, that's why that's the right answer. <laughs> A voyager's outpost built originally by the Frenchman Pierre de Alamode during his tragically unsuccessful attempt to, complain, to uh, claim what's west of New Orleans for the French in 1711, or D a religious outpost of the Spanish Empire named Mission San Antonio de Valero, our second oil and gas provider. Not Texaco, uh, I'm, Valero. I'm going to go D. 
Are you sure you don't think it was a seasonal homestead? Well, I thought <laughs> it was right. Come on. I worked hard an on this, Joe. Shop. I thought it was an organic coffee shop. But, All right. uh, what about Pierre of the ice cream? <laughs> the the mode? I thought that was really clever. In the okay. fashion. You're right, Joe. D, religious <laughs> outpost. All right. This is a good game. Tight. Aaron, who allegedly said this? I shall never surrender or retreat. Was it Crockett, Travis, John Wayne, or James Bowie? Shit. Again, I learned through song and this wasn't included. Go back uh, in the rap. It, it wasn't Crockett because Crockett said, you shall go to hell and I will go to Texas. Right. Um, because a lot of mugs in travel centers sell them that say that. <laughs> so I know that's a fact. I want to say Bowie. No, I don't. I just no, wanted to say his name. That's all I wanted to. Um, was it? Uh-huh. It's actually David Bowie. <laughs> it was David Bowie. Um, during the he was he just went up to Prince and he was like, "I'll never surrender." I shall never surrender. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah, Travis, because um, he's named after the county. So <laughs> you're right. You had, you had to do some pretty big shoes to fill. You know. Yeah, you did. You're right, and apparently. So, backstory. I got a lot of this from a seventh grade curriculum from the Alamo itself. And it's fantastic, especially the coloring in of the Latino and the Latina. So, I'm going to link to it in our show notes. And I want you guys to all appreciate it. Did Um, you get this from your niece? No, I just Googled it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Something that our own political people running couldn't do. Yeah. Y'all want to hear the, like, the craziest thing about the Bowie, David Bowie thing? Yes. Yeah. David Bowie. So <laughs> In song his, form. His real name is Davy Jones. Yeah. And when he was coming up as a musician, he couldn't be Davy Jones because Davy Jones was in the fucking monkey, right? So he, he had to pick a name. And he liked the Alamo. So he went, okay, I'll be David Bowie. That's right. That's in your yeah. book. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's well, right. That's, is that in, in your book? book. Yeah. Oh, no. And then there's also like Davy Jones Locker, which... He didn't want to be a sailor. He wanted to be a musician. Like, yeah. he didn't want to get confused he, again. It did, it did curtail his nautical aspirations as well. He could have that... been David Alamo. <laughs> That's honestly a great name. You know, somewhere he's in the afterlife going, God damn it, I should have done That's that. True. Davey Alamo. Davey John Wayne. That's what I should have been. I still think Pierre de Alamo. <laughs> Okay. Okay. It now to Joe. Who allegedly said this? We will rather die in these ditches than give it up to the enemy. Was it Davy Crockett, William Travis, James Bowie, or Betsy Ross? (laughs) You're just throwing shit at the wall at that point, Stephen. I I thought she was going to throw David Bowie in there. Yep. Uh, I think this one, I, I'm not sure. I have a guess, but I, I'm going to ask Jason. I don't have any clue. Really? Oh. <laughs> it sounds like something Travis would say. You wrote a book about a this. <laughs> <laughs> Say right that out. again, Jason. Say that louder. It sounds like something Travis would say because he was a preening twat. 
<laughs> but it's combative but... enough to be buoy. So I'm gonna crack But Betsy was pretty feisty. Yeah, but with a needle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot more aggression. Yeah. I guess do you think they would put the answer Travis twice? I'll go Travis. Yeah. I'll go Travis. Oh. Sorry, it was Bowie. Bowie? <sighs> Bowie. James uh, well, Bowie. And we know this is true because it was in a letter to Governor Henry Smith, February 2nd, 1836. Wow. Mm. Someone brought us down. Okay, Aaron, what was Santa Anna's full name? Was it David General Santa Claus Anna? David <laughs> was it General Santa Miguel Guillermo Anna de Monteverde? B. General Antonio Lopez de Santa Anna. A, B, E, and F. There's no C or D, apparently. A, B, C. Presidente Santa Ana del Toro. Or Presidente Antonio Banderas de Mount Santa Ana. I'm not going to lie. That Most last Mexicans one. love having four names. I will, <laughs> I will say that. Uh, because I am Aaron Omar Mikael Salinas. So, um, <laughs> um, give me A and B again. General Santa Miguel Guillermo Ana de Monte Verde. Or General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana. I feel like. Or it's... Presidente Antonio Banderas. <laughs> <laughs> Which is choice F. (laughs) (laughs) For a reason. I want to say B. Because remember, as a kid, I was like, where'd they get that? Like, when they were calling him Santa Ana. So, uh, by the way, my favorite painting of all time is where he's sleeping under a a tree and they're having him sign the treaty. One of my favorite. I will get that tattooed on my back. I think that is, what a way to make him look. Like like a chump. Um, I want to say B. You're correct. A. General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana. And this is the first I'm learning that his name was not Santa Ana. And yeah, uh, good old Tony Lopez. Can you... <laughs> what... I, help me understand, Jason. He was just yeah. from Santa Ana? Like, yeah. what happened here? American. We're dumb. We call him Santa Ana because it's the last thing we hear. <laughs> Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana. Oh, Santa Ana. That's your name, huh? Sure. Now, this is a sketch. This is a sketch about. We got to write that down. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Also, Santa Ana, he doesn't look jolly at all. (laughs) He wasn't laying down in that painting. That was Sam Houston. Oh, that's right. He was injured. Yeah. That's right. Both of them apparently were hopped up on opium at the time. That's like if my name was. Oh, really? Yeah, Sam Houston's doctor hooked him up. Santa Ana, that's like if my name was The Houston. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Aaron, we got two more questions in this game. Who signs the Declaration oh, of Independence? I, 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 I just went, it's Joe. Oh, sorry, Joe. I just, the last thing I heard was Aaron. <laughs> Who signs the Declaration of Independence, defeats Tony Lopez? At San Jacinto and is elected president of the Republic of Texas. A. Stephen F. Austin. 
B, Sam Houston. C, San Antonio. D, Eduardo Dallas. <laughs> it's uh, Sam the Houston. Yes, I think you're right. <laughs> Didn't highlight the right answer. Is that true? I feel like you should know that one. I do too. I thought it was Austin. It's Houston. Are you serious? <laughs> I don't know. Am I? God, this adequate comedy. This... <laughs> it's Sam Houston. Yes. Thank you very much. Good job, Joe. Okay. Last question. This one's kind of tough. Aaron, I really liked Dallas, right? It, it, no, that was good. That was actually really good. <laughs> okay. Okay, this one's kind of hard. Aaron, who is Jose Maria Esparza, who also went by the name Gregorio? Was he a Mexican officer and diplomat who served as Santa Ana's secretary and confidential advisor? B, one of the few survivors of the attack at the Alamo. He delivered the news of the fall of the Alamo to General Sam Houston. C, a Tejano who manned a cannon and died at his post at the Alamo fighting the Mexican army. Or D, the bard of William Travis's army, known for his haunting acoustic songs about life on the range, including the infamous Las Muelas Te Hacien Mas Donoki Un Cactus, or <laughs> Women Hurt You More Than a Cactus Could. <laughs> or E, my uncle's bassist. Um... <laughs> I'm gonna say I feel like he's the one who uh, ran to Sam Houston and was like, hey <laughs> they beat us. He ran the Iditarod all the way to there. Sam Houston. Um yeah, I feel feel like it was him. I think it was I think it was I think it's B. Because I know that name's important and I feel like that's one of the more important roles out of the four. This is why you're wrong. It was Shit. just a Tejano man who manned a cannon. But I did use other people's real names to confuse whoever oh. got this question. And it so Juan Nepomuncina Alamante was the Mexican officer and diplomat, not Gregorio Esparza. The person who did bring news to Sam Houston was a woman named Susanna Dickinson. This, this is not what John Wayne taught the me. The author? Mm-hmm. And That's then the- Emily. Oh, Emily Dickinson. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> and then the bard is just my little token to the bard in The Witcher. <laughs> I said, going to your valley. All right. All so, right. how do we do there, Amy, on game one? Tied three to three. <gasps> so exciting. Just like the Mexicans and Texans. <laughs> At the Alamo. What did you say, Jason? 13 days. Furious comeback by Joe. That was, that was dramatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very exciting. The next game is pretty meta. And when we say meta, we don't mean Mark Zuckerberg. We mean Metallica. Our guest Jason Stanford was once called a political hired gun for Democrats and now serves as chief of communications and community engagement for Austin ISD. He's keeping them focused and on message. I just wish he could do that for the Texas legislature. Let's play our game on brand with the Texas legislature. Yay! One moment. Talk amongst yourselves as I prepare (laughs) to share my screen. I will say, Jason, I am considering running for school board. So, based based off of the curriculum I was raised off of, I mean, I think I'd be a good candidate. Oh. Don't see any reason why not. 
It's an unpaid job. I think you're perfect. <laughs> I didn't know that. I'll have to reconsider. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you can see Terry Canales at the bottom. Okay. We're trying a brand new kind of game here. Okay. It's called On Brand. That looks better. On social media and on Texas cattle, branding is everything. So what are our Texas legislators thinking? We go to Twitter to find out. Here's your goal. You're going to match the representative listed over here with their latest tweet as of 351 today when I wrote this game. Okay? My methodology, I took the most recent 10 tweets by legislators. You're going to match them to their tweet. Once one person has been used, they're off the board. All right, so the game should get easier and easier. Are you ready? No. <laughs> Just a, heads, just a heads up, Stephanie. I don't know if you want to take the banner down because we can't see Joe. I don't, literally... know, how, I, I don't know how to take the banner down. <laughs> okay. Wow, I just realized that. <laughs> well, well, now we can't hear you, Stephanie. Or Amy. Well, that was a wonderful lesson in how important women voices are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we can't see Joe, but we can see well, Joe now, right? Yeah, we can't see Amy. That's, That's okay. okay for for this for this game, that's okay. I'm the scorekeeper. Are you ready? I'm going to read your first quote. Are we are we alternating or do we have to buzz We're in? We're alternating. Okay. So, uh, Joe, you're first. Who said this? Today, I sent cease and desist letters to abortion funds and Citigroup informing them of foreign abortion laws in Texas. Abortion funds think they can flout the law because a local district attorney refuses to bring charges. We'll fix this problem next session. Hashtag Texas Ledge. I saw this tweet like right before I got on here. <laughs> awesome. Who said it? Uh, Briscoe, Kane. Briscoe Kane. Good job. Good job, Joe. Thanks for taking the only person I knew. <laughs> right. Jesus. Right. <laughs> okay. I wish I knew how to like remove them from the list, but I don't, I don't really know how to do that. Like, hold on. We're all friends here. Yeah. Okay. Next. Happy Holly. Holy. May this festival of colors bring joy to you and your family. Thanks, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm going to let you eat. Pat. You can each pass on one and get a second choice. And this one will bounce to the other person. I'll go with Dr. Mary E. Gonzalez. I'm sorry, no. <laughs> mm. Cool. <laughs> but it was a Hispanic woman, which really narrows it down in the Texas house. That's sarcasm. Oh, so can I can I go again? No, you may not. Joe. <laughs> okay. Well, oh, is it a new question or is it the same one? Well, it's the same people. I just give you 10 quotes. So you still have to match the people oh, okay. remaining here. I thought I was answering for, for the one Aaron got wrong. No, that one's just lost. It's just gone. He got zero points. Okay. Which does make the game harder because now there are more people on the board than there are quotes. Checks are starting to go out for a one-time payment of a whopping $448 to retire teachers in TRS care. While I am appreciative of this effort, my office remains focused on future efforts to support our current and retired teachers. We can do better. Hashtag text ledge. Hashtag RGV. 
Oh, well, the RGV um, narrows it down. Uh, I think I'm going to go Terry Canales. You got it. I'm sorry, Aaron. He got the RGV I need that one, one too. I actually did know that one. Good work. Good work, Joe. Okay. Thankful to have this opportunity to meet with Keith Murphy, superintendent of Melissa ISD and his team today. It's obvious from our meeting that this group cares deeply for their teachers and students, and we've already got big plans to lock arms and accomplish great things together. Aaron. One with arms. Did you say someone with arms? <laughs> you can still phone a friend. Uh, Jason, do you happen to know who would have said this? Well, um, Melissa ISD is up by McKinney. Falls or the city? <laughs> uh, the city. It, it's uh, <laughs> north of Dallas. Gotcha. That's like, yeah, that's like Louisville area kind, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just say this person really, or flower really kind of sticks to it. Like this person oh, really yeah. sucks. Jeff Leach. <laughs> okay, there you go. You, you should have said didn't didn't George Washington die from Leach? You should have said a George Washington ish joke, right? It might. Thanks for mansplaining that, but I kind of thought the sucking was pretty good, but I I appreciate your input. Thanks, Aaron. (laughs) Okay, I'm seeing that this game needs some work because these quotes are not. It's hard to tell. That's all right. Okay, here, this one is quick and to the point. Several pro-life candidates backed by Texas Right to Life won their primary races. That's it. That's it. Thanks for the... Several pro-life candidates backed by Texas Right to Life won their primary races. Mm. And seen. So there, there's not a lot of Republicans left on the board. Um, well, I guess Ryan Gian is now a Republican. But I'm going to guess it's uh, in between Craig Goldman and Tan Parker. Uh, I think I'm going to go Tan Parker. Holy rotten metal. Joe Green, you got it. Jesus. You're right. Joe Man. Green World, we're just walking through it. <laughs> we are, I guess so. Is mean Joe Green. Okay. Aaron. The Walmart Mobile Wellness Program is in Rio Grande City today from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. The program offers immunizations along with health and vision screenings. So it's somebody in the RGV. I I I think that's is it Anna? Or Rep Ryan Gian? Yes, you got it. <laughs> that's it. Very good. And Joe did answer earlier how and I guess he barely won the primary as a Republican, right, Jason? I think it was like one or two percent. Mm. Hey, okay, who we got... was the Wingstop guy from the Valley? The Wingstop. Wingstop. Oh, it, it was, yeah, it was Lucio. Yeah, there we go. Lucio. Lucio. Wait, because I always remember small? him. The, the small. The third. Yeah. The third. Why yeah, is he, he had... the Wingstop guy? Because he, he owns. He owns oh. Wingstops. And I only remember because cool. he would be in our parades in the Wingstop Mustang. 
It's a green also, Mustang with wing stuff all over. Right it. on. Doesn't he also? He owns like Orange Theory Fitness too, I think, right? Yes. He's and just I feel like, like all over the place. They're pizza places. He's like the Shaquille O'Neal of of Texas politics. He just has his so hand he, in a bunch of franchises. So he helps you put the weight on and then take it off. That's good. That's, smart. Uh, that's a really good model. That really is. And I can attest for South Texas, we keep putting the weight on. Corpus uh, Corpus was the fattest city in America for a reason. So that was great. That's all that good food. That's all it is. <laughs> okay, Joe. Happy Holly. Hashtag H-O-L-I. I hope everyone celebrating has a joyful day with friends and family. I can tell you who it's not because I got that wrong. <laughs> well, two yeah, people... I didn't know- we're, two people we're... said no. Two people said different things about the same Holly. The other one was Happy Holly. May this festival of colors bring joy oh. to you and your family. This one is I hope everyone celebrating has a joyful day with friends and family. And I will Happy say Holly, that Holly. I hope it doesn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's better than last Holly. <laughs> um, I will, yeah. I feel like well. I'm, Gonna guess is probably not Craig Goldman, but out of the outside of that, I feel like it could be it could be any of them. I, I assume Craig Goldman doesn't know what that holiday is. Um, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go Ann Johnson. Holy rot! You did it again, Joe. You Jesus. did it again. It was Ann. You're right. Yep, she's very happy. Very happy. All right, we're down to four people, three quotes. Back to you, Aaron. Music and the arts play a vital role in our students' personal and academic development, which is why I fought for funding for the Texas Commission on the Arts. I'm humbled to receive, receive the Texas Association of Symphonic Orchestras Award for Excellence. Excellence, not excellent. Award for excellent. A word for excellent, really? Is that what they said? No, it says oh. excellence. I'm just not enunciating. <laughs> Jason, do you happen to... Well, first off, I don't think she's actually humbled. Oh. Second of all, I think you've already guessed the name. Oh. oh. La doctora, Mary Gonzalez. Oh, you are. you are correct. Good job, Aaron. Wait, she's a doctor lawyer? <laughs> okay, hold on. This that, next those one. Those are two things my parents wanted me to be. I didn't know you could get a doctorate in lawyerism. You yep. can do both. Okay, hold on while I... I think she just has a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, what the fuck is your just. background? What's just. <laughs> oh, God, what happened? What we did can you see? see. <laughs> we can see. What's on the background well, of Some fat? people have porn on their phones. What? What did you see? My boyfriend? Yes. What, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? <laughs> nothing is going I don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing. <laughs> my handsome boyfriend? Okay. What What did y'all see? I'll have to go back. It was your boyfriend. And like, I was not you expecting that, though. It's just that? That's yeah. not porn. That's just like pure angelic love. That's, a, that's boy band cute right there. That's what that is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I don't. Yeah. Neither do Is I. that our imaginary boyfriend? Is that what we're doing here? He's a real person. <laughs> oh, but no, okay. is he, he is not Canada? my boyfriend. 
Okay. Yet. Better. He's from England, so it's even uh, harder for him to get here. But he uh, loves me a lot. Sure. Okay, here's this is this is the last person. One of those three people, this was their latest tweet. And I'll go back to the list. Who of those three people <laughs> was that? Is it me now? Yes. Yeah. I f- I feel like this was a quote tweet, so I feel like uh I don't know. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna guess Anna Anna Hernandez. Oh, and Joe's magic day is over. It was mm. Armando Wally. Mm. Wait, did did he incorrectly? Oh put wait, I wasn't by? supposed to tell you. Yep. <laughs> I, I don't know what he was doing. Was he saying it's by Felicia? This is like, <laughs> whatever this is was was by Felicia. Okay, don't get surprised. You're gonna see my boyfriend again. <laughs> I guess I don't have it. All right, this is getting awkward. It wasn't awkward till right now, but everything else is above board. Okay, so one more quote for Aaron, right? Hopefully this brings some sort of closure for the entire Matheson family, the Fort Worth community, and the state of Texas that this animal will never see the light of day ever again. Thank you to the Tarrant County DA team for their many, many years working on this case. And now when I read this, they're probably not talking about an animal animal. This might be serious when I've made a joke. I want to also point out, you put emphasis on Fort Worth like that was going to help me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, didn't. Um, Well, might help Jason. Jason, um, I know you're familiar with McKinney Falls. Oh yeah, <laughs> but are you familiar with Fort Worth besides Babe's Fried Chicken? Because that's literally all I know. So we know it's not Armando Wally because yes. what Stephanie said. And do you know where Anna Hernandez is from? Not at all. Okay, not from Fort Worth. Sick. So Very I'm going to go with the man of gold, Craig Goldman. You're right. You're right. Thank you, Jason. You're welcome. Thank y'all. Okay, so a couple of things here. How did that go? (laughs) (laughs) How was that game for you? I'm just kind of curious. I think Uh, if the quotes had been funnier. No one's thinking that, Stephanie, at all. (laughs) Thank you. We're not texting each other offline discussing that. Good, because I have a lot of paranoia that stuff like that is happening. And so I appreciate, you know, I have trust issues with men also. So sure. thanks for that, no, Jason. I, I think for, for me and Armando, it was just humbling to be in the presence of a much more powerful man in Joe as he, as he just racked up points. That was something. Hey, yeah. you know what? He has an Instagram account. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. That's true. I think he yeah. calls it the Insta. Oh. A man what were you going to say, Aaron? Mm-hmm. He's on Twitchy, too. Twitchy. <laughs> Hey, we're on Twitchy and someone's watching us there right now. Okay, so my point here was kind of to talk about them being on brand. Jason, do you feel like any of the legislators were on brand? Yeah, I think they showed a, a, a lack of thoughtfulness and, and superficiality. So yeah, they were completely on brand. <laughs> Perfect. Excellent. Briscoe was pretty on brand, I will say. Pretty yeah, Briscoe brand. is on brand. I, I, I like how Armando Wally was just sort of incoherent with his by Felicia meme. I, I went back mm-hmm. and, and while uh, someone else was talking, I looked it up and it just was the by Felicia meme. It wasn't a quote tee. It yeah. wasn't replying to anything. It was just him going off. Maybe he was subtweeting. Uh, it had to be. What is subtweeting? Yeah. Subtweeting's like where you like 
you throw shade at someone else without doing it directly. Like you tweet about their previous tweet without quote tweeting. But it's like clearly about them. Oh, so this is like all older female bosses everywhere. <laughs> okay, sorry. That was just some personal trauma. <laughs> that, right, would be an the... that would be an example of, of subtweeting right there, except with Sub-tweeting. your mouth. Yeah. Like Thank you. Okay. Yes, I got good. some other feedback that the audience had no idea who those people were. And you <laughs> yeah. know what? I like that because the whole point is to learn about these people. And Joe actually knew who some of them were. And I liked your mental breakdown. You know what? I'm giving this game a B minus, a solid B minus, which is very adequate. Very adequate. Like and some Amy. of those reps. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, who won? Well, we're still tied. However, I'm just going to editorialize and say one of our contestants got a lot more help than the other contestant. Uh, one of the contestants doesn't know jack shit about Texas politics. <laughs> and the other one works in politics. So one of us learned about uh, the Alamo through song. Well, that's true. So <laughs> You and all right. baby boomers. <laughs> Who oh, need wait, a little more like- help? Looks like one of our audience just called it. For Joe? For Joe. <laughs> All right. Oh, wow. I was going to give a, a tiebreaker if Jason had a tiebreaker question, but that's, we're good. Ooh. Joe, welcome. It, it had to have been you being in our show once. Oh, my gosh. Paul just threw shit. No, no that directly. doesn't count because Paul's just mad because I beat him last beat time. Him. That's no, no. true. Here's the tiebreaker question. Okay. Which one of you has read my book? <laughs> Okay, go. hold on. To be fair, Jason, I don't read that much. If you're not writing comic books, so that's not a fair stipulation. Our, ours is the funniest of all of the Alamo books. Again, the lowest of ours. <laughs> oh, okay. Here, here's the tiebreaker question. In Texas, what city had a replica model of the Alamo? Any self-respecting city, if you ask me. <laughs> The one that John Wayne filmed his movie at. What's the name of that city? No. Oh. No. Mm. What? I, no. I. I. Is we, it? Is it around San Antonio? The last part of its name is Bill. Is it? And in the March Madness playoffs, you fill out a Bracketville. <laughs> Yes, come back from dead. Honestly, I got freaked out because one of the King Ranch's stables kind of looks like the Alamo, and I was like, "And you said Kings, you said Ensignville." I was like, "Is it? That is a very King Ranch thing to do." <laughs> to, yeah. So. Okay, I, I love them both. It's a tie. It's a tie. All Okay, just saw it in half and then mail it to it. both of us. You got it. But in the okay. most cumbersome way, I want it like vertically right. cut in half. Obviously. Congratulations to you both. All oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Now it's time to meet the man Austin Monthly called the best man behind the curtain in 2018, Jason Stanford. Jason, thank you for being here. Of course. And for staying with us through what happened earlier. I'm as surprised as you are that I'm still here. Yeah. I mean, it's Friday during South by where are you going to go, Jason? (laughs) Just literally anywhere. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think talking to you right now is almost 
like a window of opportunity because as I researched you for this, you've got a degree in Russian. Yeah. You were in Russia writing for a tabloid, which I want to hear about. What were those scandals? But now we have the war with Ukraine and people are banning your books as part of this ban the nation nation. And so what do you want to talk about first? Um, well, you, you, you've given me so much to start on. I um, thought so. Yeah. I thought so. Now, if I need uh, to... You've been called a political hired gun for Democrats. I didn't know that you ran Kinky Friedman's campaign. No, uh, I won't take uh, any credit or blame for that one. Um, okay. I ran Chris Bell's campaign against him when he ran for governor. And then when he ran for ag commissioner, I consulted on the race um, okay. and realized very quickly, Kinky's going to Kinky no matter what anyone says. <laughs> but I did, give then, him, I did give him the slogan that he used on a t-shirt, which I, I have somewhere, is I'm a kinky Democrat, which I thought was the kind of designation we really needed as Democrats. That's great. Yeah. And then you also have done opposition research. Really, I mean, I think you're a spy. That's what I want to get down to. I think you're a spy. I don't want you to say too much because I do not want to be killed for oh, asking I, and you And I don't want you to be killed questions. either. So we're united in that. I think that's wonderful. Thank you. So, so I'll tell you the story about how I wanted to be a spy. So oh. I was... I was at my grandma's ranch and I'm thinking about, they send me the thing about registering for classes for my freshman year of college. And it's at spy 1301. So <laughs> it's even dumber than that. So I'm watching hunt for red October and I see Jack Ryan and I think, Oh, that's a job. That looks like fun. And there was a little article in her weekly paper about how the CIA wanted people who spoke Russian Chinese and Arabic. And I was like, I don't want to speak those other ones. Russian sounds good. So I just started taking Russian in college. And I, uh, then my senior year, I went to Naval Intelligence and I said, I'd like to get into Naval Intelligence. And they're like, great. This is awesome. And so they gave me all the tests and I, test, I tested well in everything except for the, the horizon check. So apparently they put a lot of spies in the back seat. You know, like you fly behind uh, Maverick. I'd be, I would have been goose oh, you would have been and like spying on Russians that way, but they gave you in the horizon test and I, they wouldn't let me anywhere near a plane after that. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. A but lot then of they vomit. gave me a physical. A lot of they gave me a physical and said, uh, everything was good. And then they said, have you ever done drugs? You know, I'm going to Lewis and Clark college in Portland, Oregon. I was like, yeah, I smoked marijuana nine times. I don't care about it. Clearly. I'll never do it again. And they said, I'm sorry. Due to budget cutbacks, the limit is three. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm serious. Ow. You're like, well, doesn't like the potency? Could they have factored that in somehow? <laughs> it's like, in the mountains you too. So I go back. To, I stayed at my dad's then, and he was he was remodeling a house, and he was he was back was to me. He was painting a wall, and I'm telling him this, and I feel really bad. And his brush just falls to the ground, like to his side, his hands there. And his shoulders start to shake. I'm like, oh, my God, I really disappointed my dad. Then I realize he's laughing. <laughs> he said, Jason, in the 60s, they would have made you admiral. <laughs> he's like, you nerd. You only spoke it nine times. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, well, I, I don't want to talk about Russia too much because I try to focus on state things, but I do want to talk about one thing. And this is an article you wrote. You used to go by J. Andrew Stanford, apparently. Yeah, I before. thought it was the 90s. I don't like to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> so this is, 
30 years ago, and it says Russia may have used U.S. aid for political purposes. Funding ads that were supposed to promote privatization are pulled after partisan overtones were added to them. So are you saying Russia has been bad for 30 years? (laughs) There's one thing uh, you learn about uh, Russia when you study it too much is that it's just Russia. And that was I was there when we were kind of expecting them to transition into a Western style democracy. And so we threw tons of privatization at them so that they could turn their state run agencies into private companies. And we all know what the result was. They ended up with a kleptocracy. Um, but it's an amoral country where even democratic activists look fondly back on Stalin because at least he was in charge. They have no interest in being free in the way we want to be free. They just want a strong man in charge, and they want to have their Russian empire back. That's it. They've always wanted that. And everyone for the last 30 years has thought I was a jerk for saying I wouldn't invest with cab fare in Russia because that they're just them. And the one gratifying thing for me in all this is now that I don't have to explain myself anymore. This is Russia. They are amoral and also a big fraud. But now, the they... fact that... The fact that their invasion has devolved into a traffic jam is so on brand for them. <laughs> they do uh, have really great ballerinas, though. That is true. But I do want to point out that a Big Mac in McDonald's is half a day's pay. And I think if that took place in America, we would hit the streets so quickly. And oh, my unite God. <laughs> if that was a thing. Yeah. You talk about in- income inequality in this country. It's nothing like it is there. There were women on old ladies on the street selling their possessions um, to to make uh, grocery money, and at the same time they had more luxury Mercedes than anywhere else in the country in Moscow. Yeah. And that's enough about Russia. Thank well, you definitely. very much, Jason. Let's talk about the Alamo. I'm sure our first game was. Absolutely, your favorite thing. What are three of the biggest myths? Three of the biggest myths uh, that they knowingly gave themselves uh, to buy, they gave their lives to buy Sam Houston time. First of all, they didn't buy him any time. Santa Ana's army, as we popularly call him, was still catching up by the time the siege was over. Santa Ana just raced so far ahead of, mo- of his, his, uh, his cannons that they were still catching up. Like he just wanted to get these guys. So he didn't buy Sam Houston any time. And Sam Houston didn't even have an army until after the battle. Because then they realized, oh, crap, the Mexicans are serious. We really do have to fight. And that's the thing that the Alamo did for Sam Houston was motivate people to fight the Mexicans. The other one, uh, they didn't knowingly give their lives. They tried to surrender twice, once before and once the night before the siege. Um, but Santa Ana said, y'all are pirates. And if you do surrender, we're just going to kill you. So didn't leave them any choice. And then during the battle, more than half of them ran. The other myth is that there was a line in the sand. There was never a line in the sand. That was BS made up years after the fact. And um, the biggest one is that they were fighting for freedom. Uh, They were, in fact, fighting for the right to own people. Uh, Santa Ana was coming north to finally impose abolition on Texas. They had made an exception for Texas for since uh, they started inviting white settlers in there. Uh, they invited white settlers into Texas 
to provide a buffer against the Comanche. The white settlers came in because the land was much cheaper and it was great for cotton farming, except the cotton economy at the time demanded an enslaved workforce. Mexicans looked the other way for a while and made allowances and finally cut off legal immigration into Texas altogether. So the first illegal immigrants in Texas were Davy Crockett and his buddies who showed up late. <laughs> Those are the three. I'm sorry, I'm just thinking. So who, so in school, I was taught, right, that they, they fought to the very end. And now the argument is that Crockett and Bowie did surrender and were executed. So, so Crockett, yeah, a contemporary account by a Mexican general had Crockett among the people who were captured and surrendered during the battle, and then were executed after dawn. Uh, This is not controversial at all until the Fess Parker Disney show, and and then it just became really impolite to point it out. So then it became what Disney and John Wayne portrayed of Fess Parker and John Wayne going down, you know, swinging their muskets and heroically killing Mexicans as they were overrun. That became what was understood to be historically accurate. And that only now recently is becoming not controversial to the extent that in the 70s, when documents would arise that 50 years before that hadn't been controversial, that Davy Crockett surrendered and was executed, it was national news. It was considered heresy. It was, it was in People magazine. It was such a big deal. Oh, well, then I know. No, it's true. Yeah, Jason, it, it's true, right? That it was kind of like a slow, eventful, like, slaughter of the Alamo. Like, I was always told it was like a long, hard fought battle, but it was, they're like, hey, we're surrendering. And they're like, no, we're going to make this worse for you. It's kind of how I've, I've learned recently, right? We're, yeah, you're, it was. You're going to suffer. Yeah, it was 13 days of sitting around in the cold while they, while they were getting shot at by the Mexicans. And then a couple hours of being overrun. And the Mexican assault was disjointed and crazy. And there are probably as many Mexican casualties as there were Texian casualties. Um, but by the way, it's also not accurate to say that everyone died. Um, uh, Dickinson, for example, the one who was, uh, gave Houston the word, as well as Joe, who is Travis's slave. Um, Joe is one of the more interesting and unheralded characters in this whole deal. Um, he, uh, Travis bought him in a skeezy uh, probate deal. He was the lawyer doing probate on, on an estate, and he sold Joe, the slave, to his brother-in-law and then bought him back. Um, so, uh, which always bugs me that people look up to Travis. And then I've Joe, never heard about Joe. Yeah, Joe turned out to, he was Daniel Boone's grandson, of all things. And, um, and then so he went and he, yeah, he went, to, first he told, briefed Santa Ana. Santa Ana brought him to him. They used his story for Mexican purposes, and then he went over to Sam Houston's army, and they used his story for their purpose. So he, you know, he told everyone what happened at the time. Isn't he a character in that movie that came out like two thousand three? Yeah, two thousand four. That was actually the most accurate um, Alamo movie ever made. Uh, Ron Howard was the one who uh, was supposed to do it, and he started out by gathering a bunch of historians in a hotel room in Austin and asking them how it should be done, and even though he went off the uh, deal, he wanted to make a really gritty Sam Peckinpah violent movie. And it was, it was going to be real dark. And after 9-11, they, didn't, they had to make a patriotic Rob I We're going to kill the bad guy movie. And it still turned out really dark and really depressing, kind of like the actual battle. 
Yeah, that's where I knew Joe from. That was like, wait, he's real. I didn't know he was real. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, yep. oh, okay. Yep. So when you you co-authored this book, did you expect the kind of pushback that you got? And has the censorship of the book and the pushback actually been really good for you? So, yeah, I mean, I'm in a, obviously in an incredibly privileged place where being censored by the government of Texas has made me a success as a writer. I mean, that's, but I was not surprised that this happened at all because, and maybe I should explain a little bit, like we were out for a month. We got a great review in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post. Um, my co-author was on NPR's Fresh Air. It could not have been a better rollout and no one really cared. I mean, it was, it's, it just didn't, it was something that happened in book world. It wasn't a Texas story. And then we're at the end of that month, we're out on June 8th and then right around the July 4th week, we're supposed to have a virtual book event at the Texas, at the Bullock. And the, there's a governing board there that includes the governor, the lieutenant governor, the speaker, and two legislators. And Texas Public Policy Foundation started tweeting at these guys saying, I can't believe you're letting a state-run organization give these guys a platform. And these guys had come to us. We didn't ask them to do anything. And a few hours before the event, they called and canceled. They said, sorry, you can't do it. And I instantly, clearly being canceled by the, you know, the State History Museum was going to make us a success. <laughs> and so it, it shot up. And the next day, Dan Patrick claimed credit for the kill in a tweet. And so we didn't have to go accuse him of anything that he just admitted to. And we went from, you know, between 500 and 600 sales rank on Amazon to 12 that weekend. <laughs> we sold out Amazon. Just We sold out Amazon. You could, you could not find a book, a copy of our book for about a week in Texas. It made so us. So have you, have you written, Dan Patrick, a thank you note? <laughs> no, no. I would, wouldn't want to waste the ink on Danny Gobe. <laughs> uh, but this didn't surprise me because you, everything in the back half of the book is what happened to us. You know, people say, okay, this is actually the truth. And then the politicians shout them down. And, you know, the best case scenario is you get shouted down. The worst is you just get ignored. And it was real clear to us in researching this book that, that, that Hispanic academics and historians had been saying this stuff for years to the extent they'd ever paid attention to this story because it had been white people's history. This is a story about how white people are triumphant over Mexican. And it really taught me that this is why we call Hispanics in Texas Mexican. This is why they are second-class citizens in this, their own damn state that used to be Mexico. And this story has been used to oppress them for a long time. And it wouldn't surprise me at all, given everything else going on in the world, if politicians would get a little sensitive about it, even though we weren't saying they were doing it. Uh, if you, and especially if you look at a few years ago, it was 2018, I think, when they were renewing the social studies uh, state standards. And they were to the, the expert board was told to cut down the words. The standards just had too much stuff to, to be taught in the number of hours a teacher had. And so they said, well, just don't go on the value statements. Just teach the facts, but don't say that they're heroic because then you have to decide everyone's heroic or like it just becomes dumb. Well, that got out, and every Texas politician in the world just started grandstanding, saying, well, obviously you have to teach these people are heroic. Like, and so that's not what, what seventh graders are taught, and whether or not they're taught that certain guys were good guys in Texas history, 
that doesn't come up in World War II. We don't teach that the Apollo astronauts were heroic. We don't teach that George Washington was heroic. If there's only one place in the entire state curriculum that, that school children are required to be taught, that some people were the good guys, and those are the people who lost at the Battle of the Alamo. So I knew that we, there would be like the first, the conservative blogger type. The Jerry Patterson, you know, the sort of <laughs> professional complainers would, would get on us. I was hoping that maybe like, and this happened, Don Buckingham and whatnot would, would just denounce us as a matter of like, well, we got to check that box. These guys are jerks. It's a Donaldson's book. I was, I didn't really dare dream that Dan Patrick would, would, <laughs> would, would cancel us. That was beyond my wildest political uh, publicity ambitions there. That was good. So I, I, a friend of mine is at Doss Elementary School, and I feel like your book was pulled there as well, or there was an event. I, I pulled my book there, yeah, because okay. um, a, a buddy of mine was organizing. The PTA does a fundraiser. They do an adult book there, so no kids were involved. No and, scholastic book club books? <laughs> yeah, but it's, but it's, you know, they have a grown-up book club thing where you can go and buy the book, but I, an adult comes to the other adults, and they're like, why don't you come? I'm like, all right, sure, I'll do you a favor. And then people started, like, a parent, you know, a husband of one of the teachers started complaining, like, how are you doing this political book? And I'm like, I wanted to spare the school by pulling out. And then the story became that the book was canceled, and it just got way out of hand. So I'm, I try harder now to keep my book life separate from my prof professional life, because <laughs> weirdly, public schools have been kind of politicized these days. Surprise, which you are now at AISD as their yep. communication strategist. So let's, it seems like the perfect segue to talk about censorship of books in schools and putting on your opposition research hat and your Democratic strategist hat. What is the message right now, Democrats or whoever believes in the freedom of speech in the sense of that all books are okay? What's, what's the plan for politicians and Texans right now? So the, the polling on it is clear, just broadly speaking. Even most Republicans aren't for canceling these books or pulling books off shelves. I'll, school boards and school districts have become so gun-shy, though, about being criticized in this environment that they're overreacting and pulling, in some cases, hundreds of books off their shelves preemptively. It's important to note in, uh, was it Mike Krause? Is that his name? Matt. 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 I know. Um, Matt Krause sent that letter with the list of 850 books, which my book was not on. Thank you, Matt. And saying, you know, really want to know how much you're spending on all this stuff. Well, he sent it to the TEA. He blind copied some superintendent. He didn't send it to us, but some school districts are so sensitive about having to defend themselves on something like this. They just pulled the books off the shelf. We didn't pull a damn book off the shelf. And and uh, he doesn't really, he doesn't have a child in our district, so he can, you know, go to the beach and pound sand if he wants. Um, <laughs> we do have a process, though, for any parent to complain about a book. And there's, every school district has something like this. There's committees, and people are very serious about this. Because they're very serious about what books they put on the shelves in the first place. And not one parent has complained about any single book at Austin ISD this year. Now, I'm sure by saying this, someone's going to go out and do it. Well, we but have is, 10 of listeners, so. <laughs> I, well, God bless them. Yeah. But other districts, like, you know, it's, it's one of those weird things. Usually Austin is where all the controversy is, and the suburban school districts have it easy. But God bless those people in Leander and Round Rock and 
and Eanes right now, that's where all the fire is. And they have to defend something as simple as having a book that says racism is bad. And that's that's just nuts. I, mean, I think we all are aware of what's happening up in South Lake ISD, where one administrator told some teachers that they needed to teach, they needed to have books that portrayed both sides of the Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, that it's, touches, that touches my they, heart. Did they really elaborate? Oh my God. What do you think we are going back in time with our book censorship and McCarthyism? Is this an act? It's not very different than what happened during the Scopes trial. The Scopes trial was not just about evolution, it was a lot about whether parents or schools had control over what t- kids learned. And you hear that a lot now. Um, so I don't know if we're going back or where history is a cycle or we're bro- more broadly speaking in a very long transition from an agrarian society where everyone was religious and everyone lived by the season to a more, uh, where people have more agency. Um, clearly the, the, our, the societal adherence to religion is changing. Um, how people learn is changing, the effect on technology. It's so, I think we're going through huge changes as a country and as a species, really, that you can't measure in even 20-year cycles. I think it's, um, I think what we're seeing, and this might just be my wishful thinking, is that we're seeing a very long death rattle of that kind of conservatism because they treat what's in a library shelf as what kids have access to when both my kids since elementary school have had one of these handheld computers and they can look up any damn thing they want and unfortunately do Um, (laughs) so yeah we live in a world that conservative thought doesn't seem to touch right now doesn't seem to acknowledge that children have access to everything and they know how to set up a vpn that gets around any blocker and whether or not and if not they can visit aisd.com get around Yeah, I think it's, but they're, and so to, they're just trying to find ways to be cruel to reflect a different version of the world that only makes sense to a very small number of Republicans these days. And we here in Texas, it's, it's hard not to think of that as the whole world. But then you see a poll where 80% of Texans object to political censorship of books and library shows. Well, I, if I were a, if I were a child, if I were a parent, the one book I would want off the shelves is Calculus. Yeah. <laughs> right. Why they're focusing on critical race theory when we could get rid of math, all, <laughs> all that hard shit, all that hard shit. Okay. Anybody have any? Stephanie, we stopped teaching math a long <laughs> time ago in Texas. I can vouch on that. Okay, I think I think that's it. Any any party, Jason? What do you? Oh oh, I see some questions, and there I, is I one a, question in the chat. Aaron, go. I, I do have a question. Um, we okay. I don't know if this is a myth because I went to school with somebody who is the great niece or great granddaughter, great great granddaughter, great great niece or whatever to the angel of the Alamo. Is the angel of the Alamo a true story? Yeah, it is. Um, I, I'm fuzzy on the details right now, um, but yeah, there was a there there was a woman in the Alamo who took care of a lot of people. There were some women at the Alamo 
um, that got stuck there or like Jim Bowie had a sister-in-law and a cousin there taking care of him while, while he died. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah, I think, that was- I think this one, like she guarded Bowie, right? I think they were like trying to like, yeah. while he was injured, they were like, she was like, no, he's injured. He, she, he's not fit for battle. You can't come in here or something like that. Yeah, so I was I just mean- curious if like, they yeah, we just don't know. To like, yeah. We don't, yeah, we don't know if he had a gun in his hand and really did shoot someone. We don't know if he died before the battle. Um, we do know he was in real bad shape, though. So. Yeah. But how? This is my question: Is when my parents used to drag us around as teenagers to all these battlefields, like, how do you know this was the battlefield? How do you know that anything happened? Am I supposed to trust somebody's account? Facebook? Am I trusting somebody's written account of what somebody else told them? Like. I, yeah, I can't believe what Facebook tells me today. Why Why do I trust some old paper or what somebody wrote down a long time ago? How How do you really put that story together? Well, there are landmarks, you know, like with the Battle of the Alamo, it's simple. There's the building. Gettysburg, there are ah. hills and whatnot, and they have, they have all the maps. Like each army has a map of the battlefield. Mm. I actually didn't think about that. Yeah, I mean, if you're not just going to show up with an army and go, well, let's figure it out, right? Are you sure? Russia. <laughs> oh, okay. So they had, all right. Cause really, I look at the monuments. I mean, I don't think the monuments showed up until after the battles were there, Jason, right. like the little, but really, I'm just like, are you sure? Or was it just like, this was Mrs. Moses's field and the story gets passed on and passed on. And then it's like, oh no, it was old Henry's field where things are really getting moved. Oh, great story. Okay. One question from Facebook What's the deal with the Alamo Sen? Cenotaph? Oh, yeah. So in, I think it was 1830s, no, 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 like a centennial, um, to try, like, it wasn't, the Alamo had fallen into disrepair for 50 years. And then when they're trying to create sort of a boosterish, Texas isn't, wasn't, a, you know, they're trying to create this image of Texas being a Western state and not one of the Confederate states. And so they seize on the Alamos creating this myth. And so they, they commission uh, this famous Italian sculptor to build the cenotaph which is an empty tomb it's there to commemorate the dead it's not meant to be the tomb it's meant to represent where the you know not to be where they were burned or anything like that um but it's right in the middle of the damn battlefield right you don't go to gettysburg and see the thing right it's you know you preserve the spot it's an it's not historical broadly speaking and that got it so they're all set to move it and they, every, they had consensus on it. And then Charlottesville happened. And they had, they had a big uh, Confederate monument in San Antonio that they moved in the middle of the night. And they put it in the basement. That's Travis Park, right? Travis Park. And, it was, and so, so then it became basically another Confederate monument. And they're like, you can't move it. And so you have these uh, far-right militia group down there called This is Texas Freedom Force. And every once in a while, a bunch of chubby dudes bring their AR-15s around and just circle it and say, you're not going to take it, you know. And the gravy seals. The damn thing's falling apart. It needs repair. And they are convinced there is a contingent of Alamo supporters who are convinced that if they remove the cenotaph to be fixed, and even if they say we're going to fix it and then move it to this other place over here, that they're being lied to and that they're just going to store it in the basement and never see it again. Okay, so in the basement of the Alamo, you're saying there is a basement of the Alamo. (laughs) And how many bicycles are stored? (laughs) Three. (laughs) Is the cenotaph the thing across the street from Ripley's, believe it or not? 
Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the big white marble tower. Okay. So my okay. thing with that too is everybody's freaking out like how historic it is. And I'm like, the thing's like 80 years old. Like you can't be like, that's so historic. My grandma's older than that. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think that about the weather when they're like, coldest day on record in the last three months. Like, <laughs> no. Okay, Amy, take us home. Thank you so All much, Jason. Right. Thank you. Um, let's see. All right. Thank you so much to our special guests, author Jason Stanford and comedian Joe Green, and to our constant comedian, Aaron Salinas. Aaron, where can people find you next? Uh, I don't know. Things are coming up. I'll let y'all know. I do want to say real quick, can't believe we didn't talk about Ozzy Osbourne peeing on the Alamo. Feel like opportunity missed that we did not bring that up. Or is that a myth, Jason? Well, you know, Aaron, why don't you read the book and find out? Ooh, oh, yes. Read the book. Well, you just have to read the intro. <laughs> will you, oh. if we get books, will you sign them for us? Oh, hell yeah. I'd love to do that. Awesome. I'll come to your in-person of... thing and sign it for you. Oh, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. And Joe, where can people find you next? On Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> What's your handle, Joe? Uh, I think my handle is Mean Joe G. Great. <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, oh, Mean Joe G fourteen. There you go. <laughs> and thank you to Aaron and our over the ledge benevolent empress Stephanie Chiarello. And oh, Tom Booker's not here today. He's not here, but I wanted to mention his name and also mention that he's not here. Did y'all know that Tom's not here? <laughs> not here, but Tom Love Booker you, Tom. loves you. Yeah, he, he loves does. You too, he Aaron. loves you. Thank you to Amy Lowry for Tom. guiding us through this episode. And that's our. Oh, yes. sh- don't forget, she's glad you're here. I'm glad you're here too. Uh, and that's our show. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get yours. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok as at Over the Ledge with no D. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Bye. everyone. Bye. Thank you. Never forget what you never knew. <laughs> I'm ending the broadcast.